0: Good morning. Glad you chose to worship with us today. Those of you that don't know me, my name is Rick Sherman. It is my uh, humble privilege, ah, every time, uh, to be up here from time to time uh, preaching God's word. So including our interrupted and truncated series on uh, the body, and there was three parts to that. Micah did a few weeks ago on covenant, and then uh, Doug immediately followed the next week on commitment. And so today we're concluding on contentment. We did have a brief pause in there, and uh, Don Blair, I don't know where you are, but he was much too diplomatic last week. Uh, I inconvenienced him by asking him to sk- uh, switch Sundays, and uh, thank you for that. So that, he was much too diplomatic in being nice to me. Uh, so why am I up here speaking on contentment? Well, it's, it's fairly simple. The elders looked at the regular minister's crew and thought, no, they're not qualified. And then, and then they looked us up here once in a while, and they thought, Brian Hep, no. No, uh, Luke Stuber, no, Travis Stuber, no. Who, who when we think commitment he's, or contentment, he's got it nailed. Like, you know, he, he's just, he's always happy, he's content. I mean, well, Rick Sherman, obviously. Oh, my gosh. I'm not qualified to be up here to speak on any topic, let alone this one. Wow, contentment. Uh, yeah, so let's go... Um, Let's go really ahead, and before we do uh, get into God's Word, uh, I do plan to park in, in, 1 Tim, in 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10, and we're going to stay there in that chapter, hopefully. Um, it's a little difficult to preach on a topic, expository. I do prefer expository preaching, so I'm going to try and pull that off. Um, but as we consider the matter, um, and before we get into God's Word, let's go to him in prayer.
1: Lord Jesus, we do want to thank you for this uh, message today on contentment that we're about to hear. And Lord, right now, as we look at our nation, we see that we are a nation of malcontents, and we need you. We need you, the contentment that comes from knowing you, Jesus, because we know that is where true contentment comes from. And we just thank you that Rick is willing and able to, uh, to guide us in this today from your word. And so we just ask the Spirit would lead him And that we can all learn from this, that we can be taught by your word through Rick's mouth today. So guide him now, Jesus, we commit him to you, and we thank you for your word that does teach on this subject. And we thank you for each one that has come here this morning as we look around and we uh, see that there are so many in this room. And we just thank you that we are able to gather together as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And uh, we pray that we can receive this contentment that comes from knowing you and that that will be obvious in our lives. And it is in the name of
0: Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So let's go to 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10. And it's page 993 in your Pew Bible. Um, I prefer the NIV. I'm going to read out of the NIV. It should follow along pretty closely in your Pew Bible. So 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been wrong and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Intuitively, we're going to park verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Probably. But one thing I wanted to note here at the start... We see godliness and contentment is great gain. Those two things don't have to go together. Do you know any godly people that aren't real content? Do you know some people that are very very content in life that aren't godly? Those two things are not do not have to go together. But when they do, it is great gain. Contentment. Dictionary.com definition. The state of being contented, satisfaction, ease of mind. I didn't think you were supposed to use the word to define the word. Dictionary.com does. They do it again here in the archaic. The act of making contentedly satisfied. Contentment, I think we all have a pretty good understanding of what that word is. Satisfaction, right? Just content. I struggle with this. My contentment. What, is, what, what does that really mean, contentment, to me? Well, it means I've arrived. It, it's okay. It means never quit or quit trying. You're content. You, you've arrived. It means everyone wins. It's okay. Just deal with it. Just be content. It's okay. Good enough? Good enough is good enough. So I struggle with this, with this contentment just sitting there. This is point number one if you're a note taker in your Bible. Contentment is not complacency. What is complacency? A feeling of smug satisfaction with one or oneself's achievements. Complacency is idle. It parks. You have arrived. It is there. So how do I bridge this gap? Some people are more competitive than others. How do I bridge this gap between complacency and contentment? And for me, it's here. It's in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Serenity prayer came into my life in my early teens. Um, I wish I could tell you after 30-something years I've mastered it. It's easy to say, it rolls off the tongue, it's really hard to practice. The difference right here between contentment and complacency. God, give me the courage to change the things I can. Complacency is idle. Contentment does not have to be, it should not be. God, give me the courage to change the external things in my life that I need to change. It's okay to be content, I can be content, but I can strive to improve. God, give me the courage, would you show me in my heart The things that I need to change in my heart. Contentment is not idle. It's okay to be content, but to be active and pursue perfection internally and externally from God. Does that make sense? Hopefully I'm resonating with you. And boy, there is contentment. When you can understand, you can change, give up the things you can't, but don't be idle. Ask for the courage to change the things you can It's our first point. Contentment is not complacency. So how do we get there? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Point number two, if you're a note taker, and I don't usually have my points this long or this wordy. Contentment is rooted in understanding God's sovereignty. Contentment is rooted in understanding God's sovereignty. We got to go, strangely enough, in 2020 on two wonderful vacations. Tress took this picture with her cell phone, actually, at the end of a really pretty miserable afternoon of rain and clouds, and then this broke through. You see that? That's Comet Neowise. My cousin took that from his deck in Colorado. God is sovereign. Do we understand how big God is? We talk about it, but does, does it, ever, does it ever, do you ever sit down quietly and compound how big he is? He is the Alpha and the Omega. We say those verses, those roll off our tongues. He is forever and forever. See, for me, forever, it's a difficult concept to understand, but it's, it kind of just starts at my birth, right? And then you accept Jesus, and then you're going to live forever. But do you understand that God's forever, it never started? It always was? It's there. And he will always be there. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Do we comprehend? Does it blow your mind to think about it? It should. But think about it. And in him, all things have their being. How many people on the planet? 7.6 billion approximately, according to my Google search yesterday. All those humans, in him, he holds it all together. How many animals, plants, birds, stars, galaxies? In him, all things have their being. Do we understand how big he is he knows all things. I love Job 38 and 39. Job gets some story. He gets some bad advice from some friends, and then he wants to kind of argue with God. Usually it doesn't go well when we argue with God. And God says, Job, stand up. I'm going to ask you some questions. Where were you when I told the ocean, you can start here and stop there? Where were you when I hung the stars in their galaxy? Do you understand how things work in nature? Where were you? God is huge. Sovereign, and he knows all. But here's the best part. It's not an unknowable God. He's not so big. He is so personal. Jeremiah 1.5. When you were in your mother's womb, before I formed you, I knew you. We have this ultimate, ginormous, holy, sovereign God. Before you were formed, I knew you. Root your contentment in knowing God is sovereign. I told you there's challenges to my contentment. There's a lot of challenges to my contentment. Uh, when, you, when you preach, God usually has a sense of humor and throws some things at you. Uh, sometimes the week you preach, your daughter's cell phone breaks, nothing she did wrong, a month out of warranty. I didn't buy the extended warranty. Uh, sometimes you go to the bank machine and try and deposit a check. And I know, why well, the young people used to sit over here. Uh, I know we go to bank machines still. So sometimes you take that check and, and you, you know, put all the buttons in and, and you the wheels spin, but your check won't go in. No big deal. And then the bank machine says, please remove your check. And I'm like, I've got the check in my hand. There's nothing to remove. Then the bank machine gets mad and it starts beeping. Please remove your check. And I'm like, and there's nothing to do. And surely after five or ten seconds, the beeping's going to stop, right? No. Please remove your check. Please remove your check. Beep, beep, beep. It's just screaming at me. I'm thinking, well, surely this will just go away. Well, it, it did go away after about a minute. And then I heard this crumpling sound, and the bank machine ate my card. Please contact your financial institution. And the next thing was, please insert your card. All right. Perfect. Um, I haven't been out. When I say I haven't been out, um, I'm sick of COVID. I I tried to do a sermon without mentioning it, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm absolutely sick of it. Um, The Last time I went to Walmart, a couple, three months ago, two months ago, wasn't good. I was very terse with the person that was herding me in like a cow, trying to keep me socially distant, except for he was herding me down an aisle where I had to be near people, and I wasn't very nice to him. But I went out. Yesterday, to Menards, and that's how I went. (laughs) COVID challenges my contentment. This is my front yard. This is my front yard since the last week of May. I don't think there's end in sight. This challenges my contentment. Contentment. Point three, if you're a note taker. Contentment varies not with your circumstances or at least it shouldn't. So I talked about some fun things there. Let's talk about maybe some more serious things. I'll be content when things finally get resolved. I'll be content when my finances are in a good spot. Then I'll be content, God, when I've got enough money and I can see through to retirement and things are looking okay in the 401k in the bank account, I'll be content. I'll be content, God, when we can get these social and political issues back on track. Then I'll be content, God. I'll be content when my neighbor finally rights the wrong he did to me. It's been 10 years. I'm still waiting for the apology. I'll be content when that situation finally gets resolved. This is a little tough one. And it was tough for me to put this sermon in church context, but that's right. I'll, I'll be content, God, when the preaching here is more to my liking. God, I'll be content when I like the worship better, and it's more how I like it. God, I'll be content when the elders finally get things straight here. God, I'll be content when the elders finally address this issue or that issue. Folks, for the rank and file of us, and that's me included, I will tell you one thing. We have the luxury of not knowing what the elders know. There's a lot of people in this church. None of us are perfect. We have the luxury of what the elders know. I'll be content when they finally fire that guy at work because I'm tired of carrying him. I'll be content when my boss finally pays me what I deserve. I'll be content when I get the recognition I deserve at work. Nobody needs to leave the room. I'm not going to get political, but I really can't address contentment without at least touching on what is going on. I have a dumb question for you. COVID catch God off guard. He has sovereign God. Not one bit. Do you wish he'd come down and solve it? Folks, there's civil unrest, there's protests. there's chaos. We've got th- things with statues. This was all stuff for me growing up that was in the Middle East. It's here now. You want to spend any time after dark in any big city in America right now? The world is not content right now. Not at all. And if we want to have any contentment derived from the world, I will challenge us with one very simple thing. This is all we have. There's a lot of voices. It's an election year. There's a lot of movements. There's a lot of organizations. Some slogans sound, some sound really dumb. I'm not being political. I don't know where you get your news from the left, from the right. Whatever you're listening to, whatever you're, whoever's got the microphone, and that includes the guy talking right now who's got the microphone. Run what it is and whatever that is, whatever the message is, through this filter. This filter is all we have. We need to be looking at whatever it is through the lens of Scripture. All of it. All of it. 31,102 verses. We can't just look at it through your favorite verse. We've got it all. I really believe the church is going through some serious refining in America. I didn't think it would. Pay attention to what's happening right now with what MacArthur's doing. Folks, this is all we have to stand on. You stand on anything else, you're standing on sinking sand. All of it. The passage we read tells us very clearly what happens when we don't stand on all of it. It's the first, two verses we, first couple verses we read. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching... He is conceited and understands nothing. And where does that end you up? An unhealthy interest in controversy and quarrels, words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind. All of it, folks. This is all we have to stand on. The word of God will live forever, as will your soul. Some people pursue money. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it. The love of money is the root of all evil. And what to get you? What's the last couple of phrases we read? It will pierce you with many griefs. Contentment. Why should you be content? We well, should be content because the covenants that Micah talked about that God ordained from the start. And we should be content because of the commitment that God made to us through Jesus Christ, and the commitment you've made to him. Content in answers. Paul wrote Philippians from prison. Some would argue death was imminent, others would say not. Regardless, Paul writes from prison. I have learned to be content, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. Could you write those words? From prison. Paul wasn't getting out of prison. He might not have been dying imminently, but Paul wasn't getting out of prison, and he knew it, and he's content. But sometimes we deify people in the, gospel, in the, in the Bible, right? It's human nature. They, they were around, closer to Jesus' time. God's spirit was different. Bonhoeffer, anybody know that name? Quick Wikipedia. German, World War II. Brilliant man. If I run into him in heaven, I'm going to run and hide because I can't talk on his intellectual plane. Absolutely brilliant. He leaves Germany during the war, gets to America. And he decides to go back to Germany. He reasons that he cannot go back to Germany after the war and then talk and counsel people on how to get through a tough time if he didn't live it with them. He goes back to Germany. He joins a conspiracy. He's a spy to overthrow and assassinate Hitler while Hitler is in charge. Bonhoeffer joins that. He is found out. Obviously, they didn't succeed. He's guilty, thrown in jail. From jail... Google it or pen it, Bonhoeffer wrote amazing books. A classic Christian book, The Cost of Discipleship. Days, and I mean days, before the end of the war, when the war was a foregone conclusion. Bonhoeffer is hopped from prison camp to prison camp as they get freed. Days before the war, at the command of Henry Himmler, Bonhoeffer is executed. I think it was eight days before that particular camp he was in was liberated. Content in all circumstances I'll bring you one closer to home anyone remember Phil Gallant Phil Gallant body ravaged with cancer I was teaching a Sunday school class and I wanted him to come and share it from the Sunday school class there was no doubt that Phil was losing his battle with cancer before class I said Phil how are you and he said I have good days and I have great days today's a good day If that was me, as I was losing that battle with cancer, the answer would have been, I really hate cancer, I'm hurting today, can this all just go away? Bill Gallagher, I have good days, and I have great days. Contentment should not be derived from your circumstance. Contentment, it's a heart issue. Most spiritual things are. It's about... What's the world tell us to do? Seize control over your life. Seize control over your finances. Take charge. Get a better job. Do whatever. you know. Buy a new car. You deserve it. Seize control. You want to be content. God says, seed control over your life. Seed control. Seed power to who? To a big sovereign God that the agnostics say we can't know. No. Seed power via his son, Jesus. Contentment is only found in Christ. It's our last point. Contentment is only in Christ. And by the way, seed, for those of you who don't know that word, means surrender. Those other two words, contentment and complacency, they're nouns. They're not active. Seed is a verb, it's active. Matthew 16.25, Luke 9.24, Mark 8.35, all the Gospels account it. Jesus says, if you want, you need to lay down your life for me. You need to lay down. It is an active part of surrender to lay down your life for Christ and for the Gospel. And who are we ceding power to? Jesus Christ. The author and perfecter faith. Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice once and for all. Isaiah, again, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, 32, I think sometimes we miss it. Who will judge the nations? We think God, right, on his throne. Who is going to judge the nations? Jesus Contentment. Contentment is not complacency. Contentment is rooted in understanding God's sovereignty. When the world around us shakes, what do we have to stand on? Contentment varies not with circumstances. And contentment is only found in Christ. We're going to close with a song. I'm not going to have the praise team come up. We're actually going to watch a video. This song is from 1988. So if it sounds a little 80s ish, it's because it is. And it makes me old. The song is clear, pointing us to Christ. We have no other hope than Christ. After the song, the ushers will dismiss you. I hope the song blesses you as much as it has me. It kind of came back into my subconscious around, and it's been rolling around the back of my brain ever since. I hope the song blesses you. God bless.
2: that long ago so very far away a little child would be born and in a manger and who would have thought this little child was born the king of Cues the son of just the carpenter but for whom the angels sing, and who would have thought that as he grew and with other children played, this child with whom they laughed and sang would die for them someday? And who would have thought this little child could make a blind man see? feed the hungry, make rich the poor, and set the sinner free. Oh, who would have thought this little child was who the prophet said would take away the sins of man and rise up from the dead? Yet this world remains the same Empires have been built and fallen Only time has made a change Nation against nation Brother against brother Men so filled with hatred Killing one another and over half the world is starving While our banner of decency is torn Debating over disarmament Killing children before they're born And fools who march to win the right To justify their sin For every nation that has fallen Has fallen from within Yet in the midst of this darkness There is a hope, a light that burns This little child, the King of Kings have thought this little child is who the prophet said will return to judge the, world, the living and the dead. Oh, can't you see that long ago? So. day.